theme song, take one. And welcome to another edition of Dirty Talk with Rain DeGray. Hi. I guess we should introduce ourselves. I'm Rain DeGray. And I am Chris. And it's great to have you back with us. And hopefully you are returning and you've listened to our previous podcasts and so far have enjoyed what you've heard. Because they're really good. So I know one of the things we talked about in the last podcast when you got your first vibrator it was supposed to be for your back. Right. Right. And I think it's kind of interesting that we've come full circle since then because I've actually been using the Hitachi on your back lately. Yeah. That's true. You've been using it for its on-label use. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's odd that we are actually using the vibrator for what it was marketed for. You know what? It's very effective. Yeah. It works on your back. You seem to like it. Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, how have things been going for you? Actually, really well. I have been teaching a lot of classes lately. I did two in the past week. That's exciting. I'm going to be booking some more shortly. And I am in the home stretch for getting the first book finished, which would not be possible without my lovely Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. And in the upcoming uh, near future, I'm going to be traveling out of state to present as well. So that's exciting. Staying busy is always great. I like doing things. Accomplishing stuff feels good. Oh, definitely. One of the things I was kind of curious about was I've been having work dreams lately, right? Uh-huh. And I think I, whenever you have a dream about work, it's never a good dream about work. It's always the most stressful, crazy day you could possibly imagine at work where everything's falling apart. And the people you're working with are going insane. And it's stressful and it sucks because when you're asleep, it's your rest time and you want to have pleasant things happen to you. And you don't want to be reminded that you have to go to work because then you actually have to wake up and go to work and it's fresh in your mind about how horrible your work dream was and it really does not put you in the headspace to want to go and deal with that for eight hours. So I was wondering if you ever had dreams while you were working in the industry full time about going to work and what kind of dreams people that are in the industry would have. (laughs) Well, here's the difference between you and me is that your job is not nearly as fun as mine was. I love Every shoot I ever did, they were all fun. I never had any stressful work dreams. The, I mean, the only dreams I could think I have that was associated with shoots would be a dream of someone I wanted to work with and hadn't had a chance to yet. But in terms of stress, all of my work dreams were a lot of fun. So you're saying the porn industry was a fairly low stress environment? Uh, it's, you're 
having fun. <laughs> like it's not, it's not. No, it was never stressful for me. It was always really enjoyable. You look forward to going to work. Uh, wouldn't you? Well, I guess if I were waking up and gonna go have sex with hot ladies, I probably <laughs> would. I always looked forward to going to work. But do you know of anybody in the industry that ever felt stressed out by it? Um, I would think, like, maybe if someone, like, wasn't feeling sexy. I mean, I, I would certainly, I remember one case where uh, someone had just broken up with their boyfriend that morning, and then they had to go do a shoot, mm-hmm. which would be stressful, like, and their boyfriend was actually a director and was in the building, so they had got broken up, and then they had to come and, and channel all of the energy for a sexy time shoot, knowing their ex of a couple of hours was a couple rooms away. That would be... I would imagine be fairly stressful that you would probably would not be feeling super sexy. So it's like any other job where you go and dip your dick in the company ink and you're dating people that you work with. And then there's that awkwardness of having Mm -hmm. to see them afterwards, Mm -hmm. but then you're also having to see them naked Mm -hmm. and, or possibly having to have sex Sex with them. them. Yeah, that would happen. People would break up and you could put someone on your no list and be like, I don't want to work with this person because they're my ex, but then you're losing out on work. I had uh, two friends that were roommates. They had a pretty severe falling out and stopped talking to each other. And after about a year, they ended up getting booked on a shoot together. And they hadn't spoken to each other. There was a lot of bitterness between the two of them. And they had to channel all of their energy for a super convincing, sexy scene when off camera they weren't even talking to each other. Wow. Well, I guess that's with almost any work environment where there's the people you just don't like but you have to get along with them mm-hmm. just to keep it professional. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine any actor or stage performer has oh, to go yeah. through that and you just leave the baggage at the door and give it your best. Yeah, I, I do remember one shoot where uh, this director and this model he was dating, they broke up and they he'd already booked her for a shoot and she ended up getting booked with the new girl that he had started dating. So she had to work with her ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend, and she'd only been broken up with him for a week. Boy, was that awkward. (laughs) How long had the director been going out with the new girl? Oh, a couple of days. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he added her onto the scene. She was kind of notorious. She got around. So it's not just that you have been slighted by your ex-partner, but But now you're having to have sex with with, the rebound. Yes. My, well, (laughs) thankfully in my job, I've never had to actually experience anything like that. That that was probably a little awkward. I felt bad for her. Yeah, so it's interesting. So we're talking about odd things that happen in the porn industry that might not happen in other lines of work. And that kind of brings us to our overall topic today that we had brought up in the last episode. The death of porn. Dun, 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 dun. So yeah, death of the porn industry because it seems that the industry is on the decline. Yes, severely. Every day, more and more news is coming out that it is falling apart. Yeah. But people love their porn, so what are they going to do? Oh, there's going to be some workarounds, but uh, a porn as it has existed, it no longer. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. So we're going to get to that, but uh, pretty much everything in this episode, we're going to tie to that topic, death of porn. Mm-hmm. And so let's get busy with some news bits and see what we have around that, shall okay. we? Sounds like a plan. All right. 
from around the world to your living room. This is Newsbit. So my news bit has to do with the internet. Because as we all know, the internet is... Is for porn. Is for porn. Just like any new technology that ever comes out, one of the first things people try to do is Mm -hmm. they ask themselves, how can I use this for sex or more sex or... Sex. Sex. What do I do? Telephone, sex. sex. Hey, baby. Are you available for some hot chat? Newspapers. Sex. Yeah. Uh, Camera. Sex. Se- oh, I'm, they started taking porn snaps sex. as soon as they invented the camera. Movies. Any new technology that comes along. The internet's no different, but unfortunately the internet is the thing that is killing porn. True story. Right? Because yeah. it made access to porn so easy, mm-hmm. but yet it has been the downfall. It was mm-hmm. the rise of the greatest period in time in porn and, and the downfall. And also the downfall. Yes. So the big thing that is happening with the internet, and as I'm sure you've all heard about, is net neutrality. So the thing I found in the news, which I thought was interesting, is that Rhode Island is introducing legislation that ISPs have to block all pornographic content. So this hasn't passed yet in Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. but they've introduced this legislation. And the workaround for it is that you have to register with the state to prove that you're 18 and you can watch this content. And this Mm -hmm. is possible because net neutrality rules have been revoked. Mm -hmm. And previously under the the rules, no state could limit access to any legal content, which pornography was legal to view online. But since these rules have been repealed, the -hmm. states can start making their own rules around what content they want to allow and what they don't want to allow. So Rhode Island says, well, we're going to block it for everybody. And if you want to watch it, you have to prove to us that you are of age and you also have to pay us $20. So the porn industry might not be making much money off the porn that the people in Rhode Island are watching, but possibly the state might make some money. I mean, that money supposedly is going to go to their fund for fighting sex trafficking and things like that which is good but supposedly yeah the big fear of it though is that they're going to create a database of pornography users mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. people they like to watch their porn in private and they don't want people knowing what they're watching so you don't really want the government knowing like hey i'm a pervert i want to watch some stuff online not necessarily that all people watching on porn online are perverts. I think it's perfectly healthy for everybody to watch porn. And I encourage people to watch porn, but watch porn responsibly and pay for your pornography. They've been trying to introduce laws like this in the UK as well. Back in 2013, they were trying to pass laws that would require ISPs to block pornography. And then you would have to register with the government to prove that you're 18 They'd originally planned for it to go into effect in April of this year, but later on this year, they're saying, oh, it will probably go into effect and all the pornography sites will have to have a verification process for people to prove that they're 18. So again, the government's limiting your access to content, which is legal to view in the guise of protecting people. 
It's all about protection, but what it ends up doing is limiting what you get to do. Yeah, it's it's a restriction on your freedom to view and interact with the content that you want to. And again, setting up some sort of large database of pornography users. And one of the other effects that it looks like net neutrality might have is that it could kill some of the indie porn makers because as all these companies are going out of business, one of the small niche market that is surviving are these people that are making custom videos and Mm -hmm. providing tailored content to people's fetishes. But if they can't pay to have their stuff carried on an ISP, then they will lose customers and they won't be able to provide their content to their customers. So unfortunately, it looks like net neutrality might be one of the other things that is killing porn not just people not paying for their porn. There's a number of factors, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I got from my news bit. Let's see what you got. So my news bit is something that is near and dear to my heart and simultaneously makes me sad. Way back in the day, the first shoot that I ever did was for kink.com. And kink.com has been an iconic part of so many people's kinky journey. I remember when Peter Ackworth actually bought the building and it was a huge investment and people thought he was crazy to do it. And he actually ended up buying the building for $14.5 million. You're talking about the San Francisco Armory building. The San Francisco Armory building, yeah. Well, I mean, anyone that knows kink.com, the, the Armory building is what was, it opened up every single trailer, the giant castle. And it needed so many repairs and was completely run down. The windows had to be custom made. The upgrades he had to do, people thought he was insane to take on that building. And he did. And Peter Ackworth is obviously not insane. He's very smart and he knows what he's doing. He has just succeeded in selling that building for quadruple the price at $65 million. So Peter Ackworth is happily retired, never has to worry about money again. Why would kink.com be moving out of the armory? Because there's no money to be had in porn. And it saddens me deeply because I had so many years I shot for kink. I have incredible memories associated with that place. The people I got to work with, the experiences I got to have. The news bit I have is that kink.com is having an estate sale. And if you want to have a giant, custom-made, human-sized... Hamster wheel, you can get one made out of steel for $450. Which is a steel, no pun intended. Oh, <laughs> that is really reasonably priced in, t- in terms of the material, the structure, the cost and labor to put it together. $450 for, it's over six feet high. That's I mean, true, but most people don't have space to keep such a large hamster wheel in their home, especially in San Francisco. If you think about how small it's going to be snapped up are. by Burning Man. Oh, yeah. The Burning oh, Man God. Cloud. Burning Man is going to grab that in a second. You're going to see it next year (laughs) at Burning Man. People are going to be out doing the treadmill. I bet. Well, I know one of the reasons why they decided to sell the armory is that the real estate was more valuable to Mm -hmm. sell it to tech companies or rent out office space to upstarts down there in the mission. There is so little money left to be had in porn that it was more profitable for kink to sell that space 
for offices as opposed to make porn out of it. Yeah, and they put millions of dollars into retrofits in that place. And the curtains alone upstairs, when we went up to the upper floor to teach classes there, those curtains were thousands of dollars of red velvet curtains. 12, 12 foot high red velvet curtains. I think that they dropped uh, 50K on those curtains. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate for those of you who never had a chance to tour the building because some of the sets that they put together there were incredible. Yeah. You would feel like you were completely transported. My favorite one was the alleyway that looks like some dirty back alleyway with phone booth and everything litter on the ground. And there was a door that would open up into the saloon speakeasy and that speakeasy was appointed to the nines that looked like something out of the old west it was just impressive you turn a corner and you just see these amazing sets that they built they had they had the bar they had the alley they had a the the butcher the they built a whole steam bathroom yeah yeah (laughs) they did they They built a locker room right a full functioning locker room i mean it was just a yeah it was movie set after movie set and Everything was flawless down to every detail. Oh, yeah. And the pit that they had with all the props was impressive. You would, could wander through there and they would have everything in every size and every color mm-hmm. that you could possibly want. Acres of They actually props. ended up having to have it locked up because those props are super expensive. A whip's like $350. Flogger, handcuffs, tens unit. It got to the point where too much stuff was wandering off after shoots and you would have to sign in and sign out every single prop and it had to be accountable and where it was locked up only select people could have the key card and so it's unfortunate because what most people don't realize is that there were so many artisans behind making Mm -hmm. all those custom props that now people can go and buy at what is essentially the rummage sale yeah and those people are out of jobs steel workers leather workers artisans fabric craft the the props alone that they were movie style props the stuff that they were making oh they were high quality everything built to the nines it was uh, it was impressive the place will be missed i came up with a plot for a tsa plot that i first shoot at it with cherry torn and i had them build me a whole x-ray machine to look like a tsa uh, agent setup and they were able to do it just create that so more evidence further evidence of the death of porn the armory is no more. Kink is no longer there. They've moved their offices down the street. Pretty much all production has moved to Las Vegas, and now they're just selling off the last little remains. And what is being created is a sad shadow of what it used to be. Yeah. So coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking about that more and more, the death, death of, of porn. porn. Hi everyone, this is Rain DeGray at Dirty Talk. 
This podcast was brought to you by all of my Patreon supporters. I love what I do, and I could not do it without you. Patreon is the platform that allows me to keep doing what I'm passionate about. I can be found at patreon.com backslash rain to gray. Again, that's patreon.com backslash rain to gray. All of my Patreon supporters that pledge $5 or more get exclusive early access to the podcasts I'm creating. So the topic of today's podcast is something that I feel really passionate about and I'm also simultaneously saddened about. Today's topic is the death of porn. Yeah, if you haven't gotten it yet. The death. The death. Of porn. Of porn. I know we might have mentioned it once Once or or twice. twice. Yes. And I'm not being, I'm not over-exaggerating here. Like this, this is truly a crisis that is happening. I started out working for kink.com long ago and it was something I'd always wanted to do. And when I was a baby kinkster, that was the holy grail was to book a kink.com shoot. I never thought that I would have so many under my belt. I never thought I would get to work with so many amazing people and have so many amazing experiences. And what was really the hallmark of kink was the production level that they could bring to anything that they created. It was top notch. They had so many people and props. They had so many people creating. They had so many people in the building that when you would walk the halls, you wouldn't recognize everyone. There were so many people that worked there and they were all coming together to create this amazing experience. And that experience is no more. And it's not just happening with kink. It's happening everywhere throughout the industry. The situation that we're having is that people are not paying for porn. Yeah. And so, of course, then companies can't afford the production no. value. And the only thing that you can find these days is the amateur stuff. Mm-hmm. Where there, nobody's really making full films anymore. Not There's like no they used plot to. behind anything. There used to be huge budgets and, and the level of effort that went into creating a film was, was noticeable. Not anymore because the money's not there and people are short-sighted. They're like, oh, I want the porn. I don't want to pay for it. I'm going to steal it. It's no big deal. Well, the bill is finally coming due. And what people didn't realize with all those years where they felt totally comfortable with stealing porn and not paying for it, piracy's fine, I don't want to pay for my porn, is look around. Look how many companies are folding. Look how much production value has fallen. Look how many people are leaving the industry because there's no work for them. And this is the price that you pay for not being willing to pay for your porn. It's it's long-term loss for short-term gain. Piracy is actually an issue past just porn, but where people get uncomfortable is they're like, I don't want to be a gross, dirty pervert. Like, it's sad if you actually open up your wallet and pay for porn. Only losers would do that. But if I steal, it's okay. I remember reading an interview they did with millennials, and they feel that way about purchasing anything online, porn Mm -hmm. or just anything. Why would anybody ever pay for music? Why would anybody ever pay to watch a video of any sorts when you can go online and find anything you want at any time for free? You watch it Music's on YouTube. Music's free. Movies are free. TV shows are free. Porn is free. It, it's not free. It costs to have all of that produced. And if you are absolutely refusing to pay for your content, you're going to not have content. The, the content that is out there for you to steal is going to go down in value. Yeah, somebody has to pay for it some way, somehow. 
a building has to be rented, an editor has to be paid for, video cameras have to be purchased, electricity has to be paid for, wardrobe, props, food, makeup, hair, coming up with a plot, all of that. Of course it's a labor of love, but buildings don't come for free. Electricity you don't get for free. An editor isn't going to work for free. And people want the entertainment and they don't want to pay for it and they think that there are no consequences. And there are consequences. Significant consequences. How much do you think that the amateurs that are willing to put all their stuff out there for free is impacting it? Because I know sites like FetLife, which we love, and I think is a valuable resource for the whole kink community, but there's so many people out around the world that are willing to take photos and videos of mm -hmm. themselves and post them for free on FetLife, which mm -hmm. is like any other social media website except that it's focused on sex and kink and fetishes. Yeah, the thing with where we are with amateurs, if you look at the state of the industry of porn right now, is that it's amateur people doing stuff, exhibitionists, you know, hot wife, uh, and some big, big companies. It's basically Amazon and then independent creators like Etsy. That's basically what you're looking at with how porn is now. Huge conglomerates yeah. or just people running it out of their house. Right. That's the state of porn today. And we've gotten to that state as a result of piracy. And what happened with piracy is that so much porn was being created and people thought, oh, I don't have to pay for it. Porn's, porn's free. It's an unlimited resource. That is one way to look at it. The truth is, if not a single drop of porn was ever made starting today, if this was the cutoff, there was no more porn made. There is enough porn in the world that if you sat down and did nothing with your entire life other than view porn, you would die before you got through all the filmed footage. It's true that we are in a wealth of porn, but simultaneously, we are in a famine of creativity and big budgets and elaborate things and effort being put in. What you're looking at is one or two monster companies that have hoovered up all the mid-sized companies and little tiny independent production. And I personally think that's sad. I think that taking away that much choice and options and narrowing it down to two extreme ends of the pendulum means that people in the middle lose out. I know that people think you shouldn't have to pay. I know that every creative field is suffering from that. Musicians are suffering from it. Movies, TV shows, stand-up comics, you can get free content and not have to pay for it. Like, piracy is a huge issue. It's affecting more than just the porn industry. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is. What When I look at message boards and when I see people that are just proud, cheerful pirates, they say they're just completely entitled, well, it's up to porn to adapt. You can't expect us to pay. If we can find a way to steal, we will. In fact, I'm proud of the fact that I steal. Is it that you can look down on porn people because they're less than you? Do you feel also proud of the fact that you would steal from your favorite musician? There's a huge amount of entitlement to it. I am entitled to free shit I shouldn't have to pay for. Mm -hmm. And there should be an endless tap of that free entertainment coming my way. Yeah. But and unfortunately, most more and more of that entertainment is going to start getting crappier and crappier. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's not people out there that are making independent things that are great and they're mm -hmm. putting them out there like we're doing this podcast for free, right. Right. but we also are hoping people will support us right. on Patreon and different sources of income to be able to support it because it costs money to do this. That's why I became a member of Radiolab. Yeah. You have to vote with your dollar. If there's something you're passionate about and if there's something you enjoy, 
you vote with your dollar to allow that to continue. Yeah. So when did you start noticing the decline and the effect that piracy was having on the industry as you were in it, going through it? Uh, I started really noticing the effects a good five or six years ago. And I noticed that shoots were starting to slow down. I noticed that budgets started to get smaller. I noticed that it became harder to produce the things you wanted to do. Like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, that there was a giant custom-made six-foot-high wrought iron steel human hamster wheel. That was a prop that was made for a shoot. Yeah, one shoot. shoot. I mean, granted, I'm, I got reused, but it's like you have to hire a metal worker. They have to know their craft. You have to get all the metal for it. You have to weld it. You have to design it. You have to do the specs, the mathematics to get it to be totally balanced. You have to create it. Like that took weeks and weeks of someone down there with a blowtorch cutting and welding for a shoot. You don't have that anymore. If you look at the auction list they had, they had a, a custom-made bank vault door for whatever plot line of like, I'm a robber and I want to get inside the vault, but no, I get tied up and the police get me and then, oh, sex happens. Because that always happens when you're trying to rob a bank. That's unfortunate. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like that, they had to make a mold. I mean, the, if you look, the, the bank vault door is actually made out of plastic. It's huge. You have to carve out that mold. You have to pour it in plastic. You have to shape it. You've got to cool it. You've got to sand down the edges. You've got to hang it up on a wall. Like, that's weeks of production for a shoot. And you're not seeing that anymore. It's dying everywhere, not just with kink, but every company that's making it. Every year I would see everything just, the budget's a little tighter. Everything's just a little slimmer. You just, it's just a, not quite as glamorous there, there isn't as much work. Uh, I was seeing more and more uh, models that were in the porn industry that had to start escorting. It used to be that it was very rare for a model to escort. It was like one out of 10 escorted. But then they had to start supplementing their they income. They had to start supplementing their income. So one out of 10 escorted, and now it's like nine out of 10 that escort. Because mm -hmm. it used to be that it was like, oh, you, you, you do escorting on the side? That's, oh, okay. And now it's like, you have to do that in order to survive. And it's more like porn shoots are simply an advertisement for your services. Like, you can see me do one shoot a month. That gets my name out there. Now you can hire me. Yeah. All of that is part of piracy. When I would shoot down in LA, like, the, the sets used to be a lot more elaborate. The budgets used to be much more substantial. The, the props, the wardrobe, and not anymore. Well, I know at Kink, too, they started cutting people's pay. The directors mm -hmm. started paying, oh. getting paid less. Mm -hmm. They weren't sharing the revenue like they were previous to that. They, the, they took out the commissions, and like every year they would renegotiate it, and you would get paid less. And the unfortunate thing is when you're a porn director, you're stuck. Like That's what your resume is. What have you been doing for the past eight years directing porn? Once you enter the industry, it can be pretty hard to leave it. I always say that being a porn director is like being the world's best grape peeler. Sure, you're really good at peeling grapes. What else can you do? You can be the world's best grape peeler, but it's really hard to leverage that in a resume to something else. Every year, the contract would be negotiated, and they would take less pay because they had nowhere to go. And yeah, the next year, they would take less pay. They're kind of indentured pay. servants in a yeah. way. Right, sure, end. you have this skill, but where else are you going to be gonna able, able to take use this the skill? skill. Yeah. Because all the other companies are folding. Right, right. And that, that is the death, the death of porn. porn. And piracy is a huge, huge part of it. 
the internet is part of it because you are right. There were amateur people, there were exhibitionists, there were swingers that would be excited about sharing content. And it be, it's never been easier to share naked pictures of yourself than it is now. Yeah. Send out a naked picture, it can go all over the world. But if you enjoyed really well done, well thought out, well edited, well lit, well constructed porn for your viewing pleasure, that doesn't exist anymore because of piracy. Yeah. So I am making a pledge. I know it's easy enough for me to Google stuff, but I'm going to make a pledge that from this moment forward, I will <gasps> not watch any more pornography online that I have not paid for <gasps> through a valid site. And I hope that everyone listening also, oh, will I'm so follow in my thing. Because I myself am guilty of just Googling random things <sighs> and seeing what pops up and looking at it. But from now on, I'm sure that you can recommend plenty of sites I can go to I can. and get all the pornography I want, but fairly. Fairly. Here's the thing. As a matter of principle, it is a point of pride for me. I have paid for every song I've ever listened to. I have paid for every album. I have paid for every movie I have ever watched. I pay for my content because I'm an artist. I respect other artists. If I enjoy something, I want to pay for it. I remember when I was when I was young and Napster came around and piracy started to be a thing and everyone started to steal music. I refused. Before I got in the industry, before I started doing porn, I refused to steal music because it seemed wrong to me. It seemed ethically wrong if I liked an artist and I was impressed with what they're doing. Why would I steal their shit? It made no sense to me. And then when I got in the industry and I myself became an artist who was getting stolen from and it was actually affecting me and the companies I worked for, I doubled down on that vow. I've bought songs when they were on tape and then I would buy the same song a second time when it was on CD. And then I would have to buy the same song again when I went and got it on my iPad. I would pay three times for, for a song. For the same music. For this exact same album as it, keeps, it kept transferring from format to format. Mm-hmm. I skipped all that. I went from tapes just to MP3s. Ah, oh, well. I refused to buy into the CDs. I still have a, a very impressive CD collection. I will have, you know, and a CD player. I love all of my CDs. I have hundreds of them. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting that we talked about before was that it's gotten so bad with the piracy that, what was it, YouPorn actually started paying to produce new content because they'd run out of content. Yes. So I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought this up. I, <laughs> I was uh, amused and disgusted simultaneously. The thing with tube sites, people either claim they don't know, I mean, or are or, or choosing not to know. I don't know if it's willful ignorance, but people claim to be baffled that that tube sites are stolen content. What? What? Huh? It's just, it's just free. It's just there on that. You just that's stolen. I have lost track of the time that people have contacted me saying. I'm your biggest fan ever in the whole world. Where can I find more of your content? And they'll link to a, a pirate site, a tube site, stolen site. I'm like, you cannot watch stolen porn and claim to be my biggest fan. You cannot whine that you can't find more free stolen content. My sympathy for you is zero. So what happened, short-term gain, long-term loss. A lot of these tube sites, and these pirate sites were scraping all the content and not having to pay for it. And your overhead is incredibly low when you don't have to pay for your product. You have to pay for hosting. Of course, you're going to host outside of America so that the laws don't affect you. 
You have to pay for some people to monitor your servers. But if you're not paying for the product, your overhead is so minimal. What they did was they created a giant customer base that was expecting continuous free content. And the pirate sites have stolen so much porn, they've run out of fresh content. And now they have a ravenous customer base that is expecting more free content. And they're actually forced to now start creating their own content to then give away for free on their pirate site because that's what their customer base expects. And they actually showed up at the AVNs one year, right? Oh, yeah. They, oh, they yeah, sure. People standing yeah, around with porn, Pornhub porn t-shirts, yeah. everything. And they had the audacity because they were the ones killing the industry. Yeah. To show up and be like, oh, hey, but we're here to celebrate the industry and market ourselves to you because... Yeah, no, Pornhub disgusts me. Pornhub is nothing but stolen content. And yeah, they go to AVN. They're like, hey, yeah, we've stolen all of your shit. Here we are in our t-shirts, Pornhub. And what baffles me is that you see actresses that will take a Pornhub shirt that will be wearing it. Like, are, are you ignorant? Like, are you are you getting paid? Are they giving you some sort of proceeds? It's Well, I think that they have contracts set up with certain production companies so that they will, it's kind of like white labeled stuff where the different production companies will give them certain videos that they can have on there in hopes to market yeah, the videos I mean, and have people come back to the site to buy more videos. Sure. And every company I've worked for does that. But it, it still disgusts me where they've created this this forced dependence where it's like, hey, we stole all your shit. Now that we've stole all your shit, you're forced to come to us and give us more shit. Insects and kink would, would give away full shoots in the hopes that someone would be led back from that shoot to kink.com or insects.com and actually pay. But I, I, don't, the, I don't know what the numbers were because if you're there and you're just getting the stuff for free, free and you link back and you're like, oh, I don't want to pay for this membership. I'm just going to go back there and right. see what I can scrape together for whatever I want to see. Yeah. Because it's free. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting that these people that are killing the industry, the major pirate locations for the porn are actually having to produce porn themselves because right. they're running out of porn to pirate. Yes, that that has definitely happened. Yeah. I, I was amused and disgusted at the same time, but it's like, okay, it's on them. They've created a beast. Now the beast of the customer beast needs to be fed. And now they're like, oh shit, we have to start producing porn to keep the beast satiated. You created that situation. Yeah. So there you have it. All the things leading to the death. The death, death of, of porn. porn. If you don't pay for your content, your content is going to become subpar. If if you're missing fresh, new, exciting porn, that situation was created by people stealing. True. Pay for your shit or get crappy shit. If you've enjoyed what you've heard... You can have more of me. I can be located as Rain de Grey on Instagram, Facebook, BetLife, Twitter, and Patreon, as well as RainDegray.com. I do a monthly newsletter. If you want to keep abreast on my doings, go ahead and fill in the contact form for my newsletter, and I will keep you updated on all of my classes, as well as when the advice column and podcasts come out. Hope to hear from you soon and have a good day.
So that's a wrap on the death of porn. I hope someone, I hope multiple people that are out there listening to this. Follow my lead. Yeah. Take the pledge. Yeah. Only pay, pay fairly for the content that you're going to be using. Hashtag pay for your porn. It's on Twitter. Yeah. People use it all the time. Decide that if there's something that you like, that you're willing to support it because you believe in it. Our next podcast is something that is based with this. We're not just talking the death of porn. If you've been paying attention to the news, you will notice that Backpage is down, Craigslist has shut down their uh, personals, and major threads in Reddit are now down. So it's not just porn that is dying, but sex work and the sex industry as a whole is being affected by the passage of a lot of bills that are ostensibly for protecting people, but have massive implications past protecting people who are victims of trafficking. So that is going to be our topic for our next podcast. We call it the war on sex workers. Yeah. So we do still like to take questions. If you have uh, questions, comments, or anything, feel free to give us a call. And what's our number? Our number is 614-733-4739. Again, that's 614-733-4739 or 614-R-DeGray. Also, I believe that hopefully when this episode launches, we will be listed on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc., etc. It would be great if anybody listening to this would go to one of those services, follow us, rate our show if you like it and you want to support us that really helps mm-hmm. bring us to mm-hmm. the top of some lists and maybe get us recommended to other people that might enjoy our show and the kind of stuff we're talking about so please go to wherever you get your podcast rate us and follow us and it really helps thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time until then bye